Frank, what a day. It, it We're recording on 9-14-2021. Uh, we record usually on Tuesdays. And today, what a mega ridiculous day. We not only had an Apple event, but at the same time over on the .NET website, we had the first release candidate of .NET 6 updates to .NET MAUI and the timeline for its release and ASP.NET Core 6 release candidate one as well. All these amazing, ridiculous things happened today, Frank. Release candidates, releases of Apple operating systems. Are you saying it, James? Are you saying that the beta summer is finally coming to an end? I can start doing some production work. Release candidate means I'm, I'm supposed to do that in production, right? What does release candidate mean? <laughs> uh, release candidate, yeah. So here's the, the so .NET 6 in, and .NET 5 and the other things, um, Rich has these amazing, Rich Leonard has these amazing blog posts that outlines, outlines all of it. And specifically, uh, they do these things called Go Live. Have you heard about Go Live? Yeah, um, I've heard the Go Live license, and I call it the GLL, and I have no idea what it actually means. <laughs> okay, so so Go Live license or Go Live release candidates means that they are officially supported in production. Uh-huh. So I can call 1-800-MICROSOFT and be like, I can't figure out a CS052 compilation error? That is correct. Awesome. Because <laughs> yes. I really can't figure it out. So that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it, it outlines all of it. And that's what go live means. So if, if people are like, oh, should I do go live? Like, okay, well, what are you building? And then make <laughs> sure that the go live is included in that. And we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I I keep making cracking jokes and everything because these betas are always a little bit rough and all that. Do I get in through them? Not exactly that the betas are rough. It's just, you know, Apple's doing a beta. Microsoft's doing a beta. I'm sure Android's doing a beta. It's just, you know, it's a lot to deal with all at the same time. So I'm actually happy that it's all coming, coming to some kind of closure and everything. And I've been using .NET 6 for a while. That, that's been pretty darn stable. Um, I've done a bit of work on Maui, but I haven't, uh, I haven't really done any apps or anything with it, you know, just kind of messing around and playing with the API and getting comfortable with the new namespaces because not too much else changed. <laughs> just going to yeah. get comfortable with the new namespaces. <laughs> um, I think they were messing around with uh, stack layout though. I'm a little nervous, but <laughs> we'll, we'll look into that too, but I'm excited. Uh, end of the beta summer. Happy. End of the beta summer. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be real good. In fact, you know, if you, as you browse through a lot of this stuff, this means we're getting C sharp 10. I mean, there's tons of stuff in here. The thing that I'm excited for is like top level statements. Like when you do file new console, it's just console.write line. It has the global usings in it as it's one line of code. Like that's a .NET app. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm totally here for it, too, because, look, I'll be thoroughly honest. If I'm writing a little script or something in a Unix environment, I tend to do just like Python or something just because, um, you know, it's a scripting language. It was designed to make short little programs easy to write. And C Sharp was designed to make big, complicated programs easy to write, and they didn't always jibe. So it's really cool that we're getting uh, shorter syntax and everything. Plus, I've seen all the uh, crazy things that ASP.NET people are doing to try to like create these like one-file web servers and everything. I don't think I would do that in production or anything. I'm fine with multiple files. Uh, but top-level statements, you know, way to rip off yet another feature from F-sharp. <laughs> There you go. Uh, I don't know. I, I like I like top level statements. The thing that you're talking about is minimal APIs, which is a feature of ASP.NET Core that enables you to um, build out APIs 
uh, that make them kind of more approachable. So instead of having like a full controller with like yeah. all these attributes on them, you just say app dot map, get map post, and you just do stuff in a function. The cool part here is that there are people that are like putting everything in one file, but you can just have multiple files. Like yeah. that's, <laughs> you can have, you can map multiple things, but the thing is you don't have all of this crazy infrastructure just to make a web API client and get it set up. But you can do all sorts of stuff. You can add any framework. You can do all of this stuff, um, uh, which, yeah, is, which is really nice. I'm going to really have to find the template name because, you know, uh, the ASP.NET blank template has gone a little bit all over the place. I remember even in the early days, the blank template was hardly blank. It would still give you like Webpack and give you these complicated controllers and views and like things. And it was just a bit much. And so I'm hoping... Um, well, it's especially good for APIs, as you said, because then you're not doing your razor pages or anything. It's really just, here's a function, call the function, give a response. But I'm, I, I think it's going to be the basis for pretty much any web app that I write. Like you always start with the API. Adding HTML generation is really easy. So I, I actually am excited for that one, especially because it brings it back to kind of how web servers always should have been. I don't know. We we went into this real world, weird world when uh, Ruby on Rails did MVC, and MVC it's a neat pattern. We like it. We we talk about our patterns all the time. I love it when we do architecture episodes. But you know, sometimes I just want to put a file up at a <laughs> certain URL and you know do some little quick database stuff at a certain URL. So I I really appreciate all these shortcuts. Even though in the end when I'm doing a full full production app, I'll probably still use MVC just because it's a happy comfortable place for me, but it's good knowing that I can just do like a quick little script, use some top level statements, get a web server up and running. Yeah, or mix and match, right? That's the thing too. Mm -hmm. Is like it's part of ASP.NET, so you could easily mix and match and do a bunch of stuff. Like on the minimal API website, there's a good example of like you know like ex routes in Express, and you know actually the minimal API is actually shorter than that um, because we don't need <laughs> curly braces and other things like that in it. But uh, but it's actually nice because there's you know Express is a very popular web framework and. Mm -hmm. This sort of, you know, um, enables very similar types of functionality, but enables you to scale into what you were just talking about. And the other thing, too, is you might have an existing uh, web API and you might just want to now add things like not every controller is crazy. Some of them might just have simple getters or setters or very simple things. You're like, oh, why am I going to do this whole thing where I'm just like, oh, map this post to, you know, return monkey or monkeys. And then it returns a list of monkeys or whatever to you. It reminds me more of like Azure functions in a way, yeah. to be honest with yeah. you, but even more minimal than that, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, right. And you nailed it. <laughs> it's exactly that. It's just creating that smaller project. Again, this is how I always want to write websites. It's Best for APIs, but I still feel like you could do this for HTML also. Like, I, I, don't, I don't really need controllers. I like them, but I don't really need them. I even wrote Fugit using uh, Razor Pages. Uh, you know, not Razor Views, the Razor Pages, where you don't have controllers or anything. You just put the route at the top of the Razor file. And I kind of loved it, James. I still love it because it brings me back to PHP days, CGI bin days, you know, writing simple gateways and C. It's it's how web development should be. Everyone's made it way too complicated. All modern web development is just off the rails at this point, pun completely intended. 
There you go. Oft. There you go. Perfect. So we got .NET 6 stuff. Um, we do have an update on .NET MAUI. I'll break it down for everybody over on the blog uh, today. So there was update on .NET MAUI. Um, so uh, obviously today the RCs of ASP.NET Core and .NET itself and other frameworks went out with the Go Live license. Uh, .NET MAUI is going to go into a extended preview. Um, so that's not Go Live, basically, is what I am saying uh-huh. uh, here. So they um, they've been super, working super hard, working with the community in the open, and they're committed to its release. Unfortunately, Dunham will not be ready for production with .NET 6 GA in November. Uh, they want to provide the best experience, performance, and quality on day one to the users. And to do that, we will slip the schedule. We're now targeting early Q2 of 2022 for .NET MAUI GA. Uh-huh. Now that does so that means there is not a go live for .NET MAUI. They're going to continue to do updates and enhancements to Xamarin, Xamarin Forms. And then iOS and Android for .NET 6 will release with .NET MAUI as well. But there's just a new preview. So they're yeah. going to continuously do monthly previews, get feedback from the community. And um, I obviously have opinions. I work very close with the team. <laughs> but you're a developer using the product. You don't work at Microsoft. Um you can react, Frank. Yeah, here, here's my... I, I did really just get this news not too long ago. <laughs> I'm a little bit distracted, so J- James told me this. So here is my honest reaction. I was a little... Uh, I was a little sad, obviously. Um, I want to see Maui released, mostly because just so everyone's on the same page and all that stuff. And also because I'm working on the Wii version of Maui, so I'm really excited for the API to uh, be 100% settled down and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, good for them. Um, This is far better than releasing something that's not ready. So obviously someone made the decision that we need a little bit more time. We're going to keep working on this puppy. We want to do a good release. That makes sense. It's sad, but it's so much smarter to delay the release and make sure we all get a quality product than to ship out whatever happened to be on the main branch of Git at the time that the marketing people told you to release. You know, I don't love marketing-driven schedules. I don't like any of that. Software should be released when it's ready, when it's minim- hit me- meeting its quality standards, when it meets its uh, feature levels. And so this is fine. <laughs> I'm definitely disappointed, but uh, disappointed in a way that I respect. Like, yeah, okay, fine. Work on it. Work on it. <laughs> yeah, there's... Uh, so they, they did release a new preview. Preview. So I mean, to me... Uh, my, my reaction is I, I, I think you, you know, you gotta do what's right. You gotta listen to the community. You gotta listen to pulse. You gotta see what's done, what it's ready and ship it when it's ready, not when it's not ready. And, uh, this gives more time to have more previews. It gives more time to enhance the visual studio tools, enhance the integration with, uh, when UI and the windows SD, the app SDK. And of course, just give the team more time to tweak out more performance and more things. I'm in no rush. Uh, here. Um, but the mm-hmm. nice thing is that, you know, it now has a one check installer with Visual <laughs> Studio 2022 preview four. So you can actually, you go in and you select right now, still the, the Xamarin mobile development.net, and then you can install Xamarin or .NET Maui and you can, you can pick it'll in default to .NET to Xamarin, and then you can install .NET Maui side by side. So you get all that stuff with Visual Studio 2022 and the cool part is that they talk about in this blog post all the new tooling. So they have this live XAML previewer or live, what is it? Live pre, XAML live preview, 
which basically mm-hmm. puts the emulator or app inside of Visual Studio. So it'll put like the Android emulator inside of Visual Studio um, or the Windows app inside. And it's the running app and it, it works with hot, hot reload for code and for XAML. It shows you everything. You can zoom in on the UI. You can play around. So this would be great for like one screen, one desktop, you know, one monitor type of thing, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they've streamlined the um, uh, programming model for the Maui program and Maui application. So it's like even less code. It aligns with ASP.NET Core and Blazor. So the builder model is exactly the same, uh, which is really, really nice. Uh, and there's brand new updates across the board to templates. So you can do file new .NET Maui app inside of Visual Studio. Uh, and a lot more. There's all sorts of great updates and changes to it. So you'll continuously see the you know team uh, working and 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 doing progress on it. So I'm going to go grab this and make another video and put it up on my YouTube's, Frank. <laughs> Making that YouTube money. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I was always a little like sus about Maui shipping with .NET 6. I was like, why, why would you change the runtime and introduce a framework at the same time? Remember, I, I came from Windows Vista. That was my first <laughs> big corporate gig after getting out of school. And I feel like we learned a lot of lessons about biting off more than you can chew. And it's not great to change the runtime at the same time you change the UI layer. We, we were doing exactly that. We were implementing .NET 2 at the time. Hello, that's way back then. And .NET 2 was a huge change. It was adding generics. Generics change how you design APIs. It added uh, this pre-link, so APIs had to work a certain way. And we're working on that runtime at the same time working on the Windows user interface that was dependent on that runtime. And let me tell you, that was not easy. (laughs) Tracking down bugs, uh, chasing through the dependency trees. One could say that Vista was a poor product because we tried to do all those things at the same time. And I'd kind of hope that Microsoft learned that lesson, but it seems like every 10 years, you got to kind of relearn that lesson. So this is fine. Um, I'm, I'm convincing myself that it's fine. I still want to see Maui released. I'm still a little bit disappointed. But hey, look, I I love the XAML Live preview. I, I love being able to change XAML and see it reflected in my app immediately. Mm-hmm. So if waiting a couple months, make sure that that <laughs> or whatever it is, uh, make sure that that feature works. I'm here for it. Well, and the best part too, that's also not only XAML uh, hot reload, but also C sharp hot reload too, which yeah. means that if you're your UI code first, then that's going to work too. It's crazy. Yeah. It, it, no, and it's so important. Um, I've been doing a tiny bit of uh, Swift programmings to do mm. that watch app that we've been talking about yep. and for the one wheel. And the number of times that the Swift UI preview turns off, if you change one little line of code in non UI code, so in our case, it'd be the C-sharp code behind, but for them, it's Swift. It it shuts down the preview. Yeah. And I'm like, and you have to manually re-enable the preview. And I'm like, how is this an improvement? You know, I can hit Command-R on my keyboard and run this app easily enough. I don't need my preview shutting down. So it's a really big deal to make sure that you're doing the... Um, c-sharp compilation also and just as a little self-promotion remember there's always the continuous app on ipad that already does all this stuff <laughs> there you go oh my goodness well we'll have to get the down in maui sdk have to run down at six soon on that puppy too oh so i'm trying yeah i've gotten requests um, <laughs> i need a big bottle of scotch <laughs> to get through that one <laughs> well 
Well, let's get to the Apple event because there's a lot of news. But first, let's take a break here and thank our amazing sponsor this week, Syncfusion. Listen, are you building apps for just about anything? Do you need beautiful controls and widgets? Syncfusion has you covered because they have everything that you need for your applications, regardless if you're building it for web, desktop, mobile, you name it, they have it. And what I mean is like, Blazor, ASP.NET Core, Xamarin, Flutter, UWP, JavaScript apps, React, Vue, jQuery, Angular, WP, UWP, WinForms, WPF, WinUI, they got them all. Basically, what I'm saying is they have them all. And they have charts and graphs and, and enhanced data views and grid views and buttons and pickers and honestly, just about anything. The things that I love are simple things sometimes, like like nice little animations, like little effects, little little drop downs, little things you can add into your application that make it just look just a little bit better, right? Where you're like, hey, you know what? I need a whole Kanban board. Yeah, cool. Just drop in a Kanban board and then boom, you're done. You're good to go because SyncFusion has you covered. Go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict to learn about all the amazing controls that they have for just about every single thing that you are building. Thanks to SyncFusion for sponsoring this week's pod. Thank you, Syncfusion. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know about the Kanban board. That's Whole so Kanban cool. board. Just drop it in. Like, Done. Okay. Literally, every enterprise app out there needs some kind of project management thing in it. So put that into your enterprise apps, everyone, please. Yeah. Your, every, the users will be thankful. Get it in there. Done. All right. Apple event. Tim Apple on the board. Tim Apple. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Let's do it, Tim Apple. Tim Apple walked out. Woo. Uh, beautiful. Walked I- out. Walked out of a, of a virtual environment. He walked out of the screen, James. He went from the desert to the stage. How do they do it? Magic. Every 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 event, I just want to compliment their ridiculous visual effects team because they, they keep trying to show off like one more little trick. I'm getting a little bit tired of the drones doing flippity flips with the camera attached, <laughs> but uh, Tim walking out of his little desert onto the stage, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It comes in, comes in strong and, and you know i i'm a apple tv i'm an apple fitness i'm not an apple one customer mm. yet mm. i just figured out how to like update my address and all this stuff i got everything working finally i was like getting a build in my old address and all this other stuff it was, it was all over the place but i'm all in on the apple fitness plus and i'm all in on the apple tv plus because uh, I'm all in on the Ted Lasso, obviously. I'm all in on <laughs> the morning show. I'm all in on physical, that show. And there's a bunch of other, the Snoopy show, a bunch of other snow shows on there. I'm all in on, they got me. I, It's pretty cheap, but I resubscribe for a year. I'm all in. I'm all in, Frank. Services, TV, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I'm not all in. Like you, I'm not doing the one. I want to do the fitness. I want to be fit, James. I'm just lazy. So <laughs> they did a lot of fitness shows in this one, and they all just made me feel lazy. They all look so strong, all the <laughs> fitness coaches and everything. But um, yeah, I'll watch TV. I'll watch TV Plus. Like and TV. they got me too. They got me. They got me with that Ted Lasso. Ha ha. I need an uplifting comedy. It turns out during two very depressing years, we all need an uplifting comedy. So they got me. Do. So but, my active my active subscriptions are just that. They're iCloud. I got iCloud 200 gigs, uh, Apple Fitness, and Apple TV+. Plus. The problem is I would have to subscribe to the premium tier, which is $30 a month to get hmm. all that, and I'm not going to do it. Is it that much? I d- yeah. Is that the Apple One, you mean? The Apple One, because family... So individual is music, TV, games, iCloud. 
but you arcade. do not. You, yeah, I you, always forget arcade. <laughs> to get workouts and to get news, you need to get Premiere, and that's the t- highest one, which is thirty dollars a month, and that's just too much money. Too much money. You know, I don't want to sound too much like a millennial, but I just don't care about the news. I care about the news. I want to know what's going on in the world, but I don't care about the news, like the capital letter N news. news. Not interested. You know where you can read that news on the new mm. iPad. Oh, good. <laughs> Oof. Oh, rough. That, that was a segue. I got it after you explained it to me. Uh, I'm excited for this new iPad, honestly, because they're they keep investing in what is basically the low end model of the iPad. It's called just the iPad. And for what is it like 349 or something like that? You are getting a beast of a machine. So what did they do? They upgraded the minimum memory up to 128, which thank goodness, because what? 64. That's just, it's just not enough. Uh, yeah. So you got that 128. They've removed the big button. People love the big button, James. How do you feel about that? Oh, wait, no, nope. I'm crossing the streams. I'm crossing the streams. The button is still there. Important newsflash. The button is still there, but yeah. not on the mini. <laughs> I, I, oh, wait a minute. Okay. iPad. 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 It's still got Oof. the button. It still has Touch ID. Um, E13. People- E13. <laughs> a13 processor whatever that means what two years old one year old something years, like that yeah it's a good processor you know these i don't i don't want to say a plateau because every year apple says oh it's 20 percent better or 30 percent better or something like that but from an app developer standpoint like the hardware has been fast for the last what four years Ever, I, forever <laughs> yeah i mean for icircuit 3d i i want every every cpu cycle they can give me every gpu i want more gpu cores because icircuit 3d was designed to just eat it all that up <laughs> in a good way it's giving you a good presentation it loves all that stuff but for pretty much every other app out there 99.9 percent of apps uh we kind of plateaued in the hardware world so for 349 you are getting a killer machine i'm i'm happy to see that because now i can without any shame or anything just recommend to a family member go get that ipad that's it's probably the one that you want it's probably the one that you want yeah definitely i you know while i am happy that they upgraded to 256 the default is still 64 gigs at the 329 so that is a little bit of the bummer yeah Oh, so, get rid of that 64. That is so useless. Yeah. So I, I, I'm happy. I think we, we've we talked about it when they did the education event like a year ago, the new iPad at the $300 price point, 329 or whatever. It's a great mm-hmm. price. You know, this isn't going to be the one you're going out taking photos with. Hopefully you have a good iPhone or you have the iPad Pro. But if you're entry level looking to get in, it's a great device. Uh, it's an iPad. I Frank, it's an iPad because really what we care about is the device that literally hasn't changed forever and was like <laughs> gross and disgusting. The iPad mini now is a oh. sixth generation sixth baby. Mm. Gorgeous. I, I can't believe it's been that many generations cause it doesn't feel like they've updated that many times, but Hey, the mini is everyone loves the mini, right? That's the one that you use actually in industry because you're plugging it into like a, a, what do they call those things? A, a photographic device, a camera. You're camera. plugging it into that. Uh, 
you're plugging it into your drone controller. You know, the mini is the one that you use to kind of interface with other stuff. I haven't been rocking the mini myself because, you know, the phones got bigger and I kind of love the original iPad size, but I know there are people out there who absolutely adore the mini and I do too. I just don't buy them myself, but it's so good to see them update it. It's such a good form factor. USB-C, USB-C. So they got rid of the lightning. Do you think uh, Do you think the lightning's very long for the world on the iPhone? Because it seems like all the iPads are moving away from it. It's got to happen at some point. I mean, oh. I know they didn't do it this generation, but it's like, come on, you know? Uh, yeah. That's the thing. It, it's They're in this weird spot where now multiple devices have a USB-C. And if I'm, if I'm carrying it, here's the thing is the iPad mini is like a portable device. It's the one that you're taking on holiday with you, right? It's the one that you're, you're taking on the world because you want to download some shows. You want a little bit bigger display than your, your, your iPhone. And uh, you're, you're reading books on it and now you got to carry around a lightning cable and a USB C <laughs> connector. Well, you come on now. Now this thing is really nice. It has the new a 15 bionic chip, which we'll talk about in a little bit, not an M one. Cause it's not a pro can't have, yeah. can't have it. Can't have it. For I, I was honestly the entire time just bated breath wondering what kind of processors they're going to put into this because I don't think any of us fully understand the Apple roadmap. Like we're waiting for the M1X or the M1S or the M2. I keep mentioning it on every show because I love my M1 so much. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're still getting these A chips. And for the longest time, we thought, okay, fine. The M's are going to be for the Macs and the A's are going to be for the mobile devices. But then they broke that rule with the Pro. So I don't know what to even think, James. Yeah. <laughs> are we going to get M's on the iPads next year? Uh I guess right now it's going to be the pro iPads only. But truth be told, um, the M1 is basically just an A13, 14, 15, whatever it is, whatever architecture it was based on. It's just a bigger version of that. So I'm not too caught up in it, but it is funny. I thought just from a branding perspective, they would have switched over to M or something like that. But these are big honking chips. What, like 16 neural cores? four gpus something like that high performance cores low performance cores if you want to go slow (laughs) 15 billion transistors yeah Um, yeah oh yeah what do you do with all those transistors wow i'm Uh, I'm in a garbage collect i'm in a tight spot here because the ipad mini i think i really like now it comes in at 499 at the start it puts it in a weird predicament right because the ipad air is is last year's model that's the a14 chip but it's actually more Mm. expensive it's 599 and it has um the same camera 12 megapixel wide camera on the on the front uh on the back i mean on the on the front though the new one has a 12 megapixel ultra wide front camera the old one has the 7 megapixel hd camera garbage the new one has is 5g compatible um and they both start at 64 gigs with the option of 256 like in no way is mm-hmm. the iPad Air like who's going to buy that? I know it's a bigger yeah. screen, but you might as well just buy the if you're going to buy the iPad Air, you might as well buy the lot cheaper iPad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the iPad Mini at this point. Um, in my personal opinion, so I think that this it, it it puts the iPad Air in a weird spot because it goes it goes A13 cheapest, then it goes with the iPad, then the iPad Mini is actually the second cheapest at 499 but has a better processor than the <laughs> iPad Air which is 
more expensive. And then of course we get the pro models. Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird mixture. I know Apple does this all the time. So the next time they'll release new iPad airs and new iPad pros, yep. and then, then, then it'll be fixed again until the next year where they mess it up again. But, um, <laughs> it's, it's a good one. I think that this, if, if this is the one that I was going to get, it would probably be the one that I get for, uh, Heather for sure. I think. Yeah, I, me personally, I really don't understand where the iPad Air fits in. I wouldn't even be too surprised if it gets con- discontinued at some point because it just kind of makes sense having a nice, a nice cheap iPad. Three twenty. I still can't get over the price. Three hundred fifty dollars. You are getting a killer machine. Yeah. And the big distinguishing feature, and I noticed this on my iPad Pro, and I absolutely love it, is that ultra-wide camera so that they can enable center stage, Mm. which is that technology that tracks people's faces in the video and automatically zoom pans to that face. It sounds like such a small feature, but when I'm talking to like my little nephew and everything, I'm always off center. I'm looking at the wrong camera and everything. <laughs> and these these youngins, they're all younglings. They're all they're all smart. They know good camera technique, and they're like, "You're not looking at the camera. Your angle's all weird. I'm looking up your nose, things like that." Well, honestly, I'm mostly looking up their nose. So I am really happy that uh, all. It seems like they're putting these ultra wide uh, angle lenses on pretty much every device. I'm sure the air will either has or will get it. But it's a, it's actually probably one of the better pieces of technology that I've seen them add. I don't care about 20 megapixel cameras. You know, my images are already too big. I don't care. But a real proper feature like this automatic um, panning and zooming, that's, that's good stuff. And I'm happy to see that on all the devices. Have you figured out how to take advantage of that from software? We, we need to do a show on cameras because... Mm. I haven't figured out, they announced that apps can take advantage of it, which I'm not sure if we absolutely could in iOS 14. So it might be in iOS 15. Uh, please, everyone, uh, look up the SDK yourself because I'm guessing a tiny bit here. But I'm excited to be able to take advantage of that for my own apps because it's that good of a technology, not requiring that the device be at a perfect angle, perfectly oriented and framing yourself and you're moving your chair to try to frame yourself correctly. You can just look at the iPad and it, it points the camera at you. It's it's a good feature. Yeah, I, we definitely need to deep dive on that a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's a new iPad. I'm excited about it, Mini. I think the coolest part is it comes in purple, so that's a good, <laughs> good pick there. What about the pink? I thought you liked pinks. I like the pink too, but also I think the purple's cool. So yeah, I don't know. Okay, I mean it's, it's no Sierra blue. Purple. It's no Sierra blue, yeah. but what are you gonna do? Uh, we're not there yet, Frank, because we got a new uh, watch. Wow, 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 watch. What are we up to? Series 7,000-ish? Seven. There? Series seven. 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 Okay, yeah. Somehow I think they're still selling the Series 3. Is that right? Yes. That's a little bit nutty to me, selling four generations back, but they must have some kind of specs saying it's doing well. So what did we get this year? We got a bigger screen, less bezel, because no one likes a bezel on their watches. That's about it. Oh, we got colors too, right? So we got a bigger screen and colors. I'm making fun a little bit, but you know, I'm a little disappointed in the watches. We talk about this all the time, mostly because I haven't been able to make any money off of the watch. That's why I'm disappointed in it. But at the same time, I watch, I wear the watch every day. 
So I'm I'm happy to see these. Me personally, I'm going to skip this. Uh, let them keep improving it. But the bigger they can make that screen, the happier I am. And we're even stealing features from Android now. We're getting that uh, edge-to-edge kind of screen thing where you can see it from an angle, like as it bubbles out a little bit. What's that called? It's like it's a, uh, it's like a small wraparound. Wraparound. Wraparound screen. Someday we'll have proper wraparound screens. But for right now, we're adding a tiny little bit of an angle to the oh. edges. Yeah, yeah. yeah Sam, Samsung did this a while ago. They had the Samsung yeah. Galaxy Edge, and it would come off the yeah. edge. And you could it was, it was actually quite more than this one. This one's just a mm-hmm. little bit off the edge where you can kind of see it at, a, at an angle. No, this is nice. I mean, the, the, the bezels are 20% smaller, so it, they're the same size as the Series 6, like as far as millimeters. But it's just a bigger screen on it, so it looks nicer. I'm, I'm rocking the C. I like how they put Series Three, Series Six, Series Seven side by side. The thing is, I like the size of my Series Three. Um, <laughs> I don't necessarily need a bigger watch, and they keep making them bigger. So I get it. Um, it, it it's it's nice. I do like the. There's a blue. There's a red. There's a star starlight. Ooh, and Ooh. then a midnight. I would get probably the midnight is probably the one I would get because it's like closest to black. Um, but I am with you. I actually, I've had my Apple watch for a year when I got my iPhone. It's been a little bit over a year now. And I do have the latest watch OS, whatever <laughs> it is, Somehow. Eight, nine, whatever. You don't get all the features. Like you get way more features and I just keep getting security fixes. But <laughs> besides that, uh, I don't see anything here. That's really, you know, th- I thought that they were going to add more sensors or more other things i I don't really see that big of a motivation if i had a series four or five and i was like really in i don't know my 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 the thing with the series three is that it ships with four gigs of of memory and that is not enough to update their operating system so (laughs) uh so that's the problem that they're running into here is that it's really you have to unpair it repair it do all this stuff you're going through this, I'm sure, right now. And that's really bad if you have security fixes that you need. No one's going to do it. So I'm really surprised that they're continuously shipping Series 3. It must have some minimal amount of equipment for all the fitness stuff and things like that. But until Series 3 doesn't work with Apple Fitness Plus or something like that, I am going to keep it. I'm going to keep going <laughs> on it. And I bet it's for one more year because they're still selling it. And then... I'm going to keep it, basically. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's tough. Kind of like the iPad, the watch has plateaued a little bit in terms of features. Like, it still has the EKG, ECG, one of those. Thank you. And it has the heart rate. Obviously, it's had since the beginning. But I've started jogging again, trying to get my ankle working, trying to get a little more fit, trying to get a little fit plus in myself. And I've just been jogging with the watch. And it's been very pleasant because last time I was on a jogging kick, I kept carrying around the phone and the phones are so annoying. So I'm I'm really digging the modern watches and everything. This seems like a very, very nice upgrade. Like if I was going to give it as a gift... It's a yeah. bit expensive, though, as a gift. Let's be honest. It's an expensive gift. But this is obviously it. They got to keep uh, improving it, making it better. 
because I'll probably pick up a watch series nine ish probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I and think, I'm hoping the screen is as big as my arm by then. I think the gift to give is the SE at two seventy nine instead of one ninety nine. The thing is, you can we you can get the series three on sale for like one hundred thirty bucks, which is like right. kind of a killer. So if you can get the SE on sale for like two thirty or two hundred, like that's definitely a steal compared to the new one. Um, but yes, please, please don't give the S or sorry, <laughs> please don't give the series three as a gift. No. You're just making someone's life harder. I really want to know. I want to be in that internal Apple meeting where they decided to keep selling it. Oh. I, I, there, there has to be a market out there buying it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing this. Let's talk about the notch. I'm ready. Smaller notches for everybody, Frank. Be prepared to redo all your screenshots. No, I'm just kidding. I did. Gosh, I, I'm totally, I'm blanking, James. When I do screenshots for notched iPhones, do they have the notch in them? I can't even remember. Yeah, you know, half of them do because half of them are like the top of the phone and half of them are at the bottom of the phone or whatever, you know, based on the, the the different software you're using out there. iPhone 13, 13 mini and 13 pro are dropping on us. Now, when we say that the notch has changed, it's actually, it's I think it is the width and the height. I'm pretty oh, sure, Frank. I believe it is <laughs> it is less wide, but a little bit taller. I think. I'm oh, looking. oh, it's a little chunkier. I yeah, think is like, what you're saying. I'm gonna give you a link here in the Zencaster. And the, this link is for you to compare these iPhones and look on the two on the right, which is the iPhone 12 and iPhone 13. Don't tell me that it's not a little bit taller. Uh okay, it's fractional, but I, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna agree with you. It definitely is less wide though. And now I, I think just as a visual trick, that's gonna be great. Already, I feel like we're trying to jam a little bit too much up in those corners, mm-hmm. especially um, you know, ever since we got that thing where you could open an app and another app, and then it had like the back arrow to go back to the original app. Mm-hmm. That thing always took up a bit much room. There are some carriers out there with excruciatingly long names that does take up too much room. And so I'll, I honestly would trade some vertical space for to get back some horizontal space in those corners, even though as app developers, we can't really touch it because that's generally where your, your status bar goes and your navigation bar. But sometimes I write full screen apps. Sometimes yeah. I get to use that space. Do you ever get to use that space? No, not really. I just changed the color of that space, you know, (laughs) basically, is it light or dark mode on it? And that's about it. No, not really. Uh, But I could see like AR and games, obviously, we'll we'll, we'll take advantage of this and it'll impact them and video playback as well will impact it. I I agree. I I always thought that 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 uh, on Android phones that just have the camera little bump, the little the little notch, a tiny notch, little circle Mm -hmm. notch or punch Mm -hmm. out. That was a little bit nicer because. There's a lot of stuff happening up there. And I always thought with uh, iOS on the iPhone, there's very little on the left and right to put that stuff. So I always feel like the other little icons are always competing with each other. So this will just free that up a little bit more. Um, I'm more enthralled, though, with how they just change the position of the cameras. There's still two cameras on the iPhone 13 and iPhone 13 mini, but they put them in a diagonal instead of up and down just so you know it's an iPhone 13. Oh, right. You got signal. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's funny because I remember when the, the second camera was first added and I was really excited because the moment you have two cameras, you can start doing interesting things. And the interesting thing to me at that time was disparity maps Hmm. where you 
take a picture from the one camera, take the picture from the other camera, and then you can kind of figure out the depth of things, how far away things are, just based on the dissimilarity between those two images. It takes a little bit of calibration. You got to make sure the lenses are looking at the same thing. You got to do a little bit of correction for how wide they are apart from each other. But as long as they're on the same plane as each other, it's it's actually not too hard a math to do. And Apple keeps talking about their imaging pipeline, where they made it very clear, even without a depth sensor, which is the LiDAR, which is on the pro models, you can still get a lot out of what's called the disparity map. This two images looking for the difference between the two images and guessing at distance uh, based on that. And I always thought that that was made easy by having those cameras uh, aligned in a certain way. But now that I think about it, it really doesn't matter uh, the exact orientation of those two lenses. You're going to get the disparity map in either either way. It just changes the math a little bit. It makes it harder because now you're dealing with a 45-degree angle instead of a 90-degree angle. But uh, Apple software deals with all that. That's all in the API when you create a new capture session using a camera you can say do i want uh color information do i want depth information or do i want disparity information the disparity being the one supported on pretty much any iphone any device that has more than one camera that's the requirement and so it's kind of fun to see them just move the lenses around and be like ah whatever we'll we'll, we'll fix it in software yeah <laughs> those poor software developers <laughs> well so he, let me break down some of the updates here from iPhone 12 to iPhone 13 so you get a wide and ultra wide um, but the new cameras can do cinematic mode in 1080p at 30 frames per second which is pretty nice you love the cinematic mode so that's what i've heard i i, I like ai's and it's an ai deciding what's in focus i'm here for that mm-hmm. it, it can now record 4K at 60 frames per second instead of 30 frames per second. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, it's going to take a lot of memory, but sure. <laughs> it's got uh, A15 Bionic, just like that iPad Mini that we talked about, um, compared to the A14. Now it so does officially. Officially, the iPad Mini is a giant iPhone right now. Yes. So let's be is, clear. <laughs> it is officially that. Yeah. So it has, uh, you know, the six-core CPU, four-core GPU, new 16-core neural engine. My favorite bullet point on this breakdown is it says faster than the competition. The other one, iPhone 12, not faster than the competition. This one, faster than the competition. That's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, Apple Apple loves their uh, percentages when they're talking about things. You know, 30% faster than last year, blah, 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 percent. And I did notice there was a key phrase during the presentation. I, I can't remember which number they were talking about, but they said something like 50% faster than the best of the competition. I was like, okay, that's that's gutsy. But if you want to be truly gutsy, who's that competition? Tell, tell us what device you're comparing yourself to. But I guess yeah. they decided not to. The biggest the biggest change for this one is that the new default, unlike these iPads, the new default minimum storage, 128 GB, they did it, double the storage. That's free. You'd get those 64 Ooh. GBs. Boom. Y'all, you can actually install OS updates. Imagine yes. that. <laughs> we did a we did a quick check uh before this episode uh that's still too low for me my my phone is sitting at 200 gbs right now i've been buying the 256 models so that it, it's great i'm glad that's the minimum but unfortunately i still have to get i still have to pay for a bump up yeah 
there's a bunch of other stuff in here. I, I think, you know, this is a great, uh, I like that the iPad mini is still here and it's still coming in at $699, $799 for the bigger one. Uh, I'm an iPad uh, or an iPhone, sorry, iPhone mini and iPhone 13, iPhone 13, iPhone 13 mini, $699 for the mini, $799 for the normal one. Great phones, whatever. It's a phone. Let's talk about the pro. <laughs> Uh, pros coming in and a new Sierra blue, Sierra blue. It's lighter than the last blue. Makes me a little sad because I, I'm still rocking the green pro. Mm. I think the green is kind of gorgeous. Yeah. And, uh, so it's another blue fine. Would have liked to have seen a, a crazy, like lime green. Give me neon green. Where's my neon green phone? Uh, yeah, I, I, I want bright yellow again. I want the, you remember Ooh. the iPhone five C's. Ooh, those are great phones. I want retro reflective phone so I can actually find it in my house at night. Because <laughs> right now this green is pretty much black at night. <laughs> I want them to make a transparent alumin- aluminum or well, aluminum or whatever they create these things out of. <laughs> my favorite thing of Star te- Trek reference. I just want to make everyone clear. James made a Star Trek reference, transparent aluminum. I did? Okay. Is that oh, a thing? Wait a second. Is it really? It's a thing. Aluminum? It's oh, a thing. God. Scotty said it in Star Trek 4. <laughs> we need it because here's the thing. Back in the day, you know, when video game consoles and handhelds they would always come up with different exclusive colors and they're all made out of plastic and stuff they would do a see-through a transparent green or transparent it's like oh so cool you see you can see what's inside there wow it's amazing even apple did they they fell into that trap i mean they kind of invented that trap with the uh the max the aqua max yeah yeah the bubbles that's right bring it back hundred percent transparent aluminium uh, all right, so this has uh, it has this is the cool thing. It's got the Super Retina XDR display with ProMotion. Hmm. Now ProMotion is a weird technology. I gotta be honest with you. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little suspect about it because it's uh, it changes the frame rate of the display based upon the content on the display. Mm-hmm. So in an ideal world, when the 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 display is static if someone's just reading a news article or a book or something you know not scrolling nothing's animating then it should be able to lower the frame rate and i think they go all the way down to like 10 hertz something like that yeah uh the iphone has been pretty much always locked at 60 hertz uh some of the ipad pros run at 120 hertz things like that but 60 hertz has been pretty much since 2010 what we've all been accustomed to and we make sure our software works at 60 hertz but now the phone's gonna slow itself down and it's this is not new technology. I could have experimented with this before. What was it on before? Was it on Macs or was it on iPads? Either way, um, I am curious to see what the actual triggers are to the hardware that causes it to slow down. Like if I override the on-draw method of a view and draw the same red rectangle, would it decrease to 10 frames a second or would it see that I'm doing my own custom drawing and keep it at a high frequency? This is also going to affect all my tools because I have a lot of tools that actually just monitor my UI thread and I make sure that the UI thread is uh, running at at least 60 hertz. It's a mm-hmm. quick way to find out if your program is you know, doing too much work on the main thread or something like that. You just go look at your frame rate, you know what's going on. 
but now <laughs> it, hopefully it's all abstracted from software and the GPU handles it, but I'm a little bit nervous because I, I have tooling and I, I have brain processes where I think about everything in 60 hertz terms. <laughs> and so I think I'm going to have to get a little bit used to this one as a developer. Yeah, this will, I, I'm hoping that it doesn't change anything, but I think it was the iPad Pro that had the adaptive. Ah. Okay. Pretty sure. I think your device. So if you're, it's already working, it's already working, which is good. Um, I like it. I, I mean, I, I don't have a device that has it, but I will definitely like, I think it's cool. It has all the other stuff that you like yeah. uh, on it. Well, well it is, makes, sorry, it just makes sense from an energy standpoint yeah. too. Like there's absolutely no reason the screen should be updating. Well, there is a reason the screen would go black if you weren't updating it, yeah. but they have their magic hardware that can somehow do 10 Hertz. Who knows? Yeah. who knows how that works yeah it, it's really cool and i think it's very smart because a lot of applications just have static content that doesn't update at all and they control the ui stack layer so they can really get in there and, and optimize it so uh, oh no you you know there's a little piece of javascript that's doing a css transform that's rotating a blank pixel just because <laughs> just because they need to <laughs> Uh, but can they can they adjust the they need it next is going to be they can adjust parts of the the frame of the screen you know what yeah. i mean oh on the these pixels will update only at one frame per second you know what i mean it's like adaptive mm-hmm. entire mm-hmm. now it's the entire screen but it's portions of the screen um can i tell you one part i was a little disappointed about what uh there uh, apple has been releasing these Uh, high-definition monitors, XDR, they keep calling them, where we can create things brighter than white. Can you believe that? It's brighter than white, and it's darker than black. (laughs) Not technically, but, you know, they try. And it's really exciting. The problem is, as app developers, we can't take advantage of it. The only thing it applies to are videos and photos, which makes absolutely no sense, because I can type in a floating point value that's 1.5, you know, make that brighter than white. Please make that brighter than white. I was really hoping that we would get, um, that that would finally be released. I want to start writing HDR and XDR apps, and it's just not coming out. And these devices just keep getting these XDR displays. Uh, what are they promoting? A thousand nits or something like that. You know, it's, it's a gorgeous display. I want access to that from my apps. And it really, it drives me a little bit batty that apps are stuck in sRGB color space, um, scaled RGB color space. It's what we've been using since the 1990s, ever since VGA was invented. It's a terrible color space. It has absolutely nothing to do with physics or the reality of light. It's just a hack that a bunch of engineers came up with to display something on a CRT. I, I'm tired of it. I want to be able to use HDR and XDR and I and all the APIs support it, all everything, you know, all the software supports it, the hardware supports it. It's just, it's not come together just yet. So one more year, I guess, of not having HDR available to apps, which makes me a little bit sad because this hardware is gorgeous, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it, it truly is. And I think that the, not only did the screen get all these nice, beautiful updates, it got the A15 Bionic, but you got some nice camera upgrades too. Nothing like crazy mind blowing, but I will say this after using my wife's, uh, uh, she has an iPhone 11 pro 12, 11 pro 12 pro one 11, you, you can 11 tell pro by cur- curvy edges or square edges, curvy edges, uh, 11 pro. So she got the 11 pro. The nice thing though, that one does have the two X and 
2x out, 2x in, 2x out, 0.5 and 2x. Uh, telephoto and ultra wide, they're super awesome, to be honest with you. They're one of my favorite features, the optical zoom in and the optical zoom out. And this one actually gets 3x optical zoom in and also gets a 6x optical zoom range. Like it, 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 that's yeah. a pretty thing. And the digital zoom is 15x compared to 10x. That is uh, kind of bonkers, actually. So when we're taking photos, uh, you know, I have the iPhone SE, which has like a, a crappy camera on it. So she <laughs> takes all the good, all the good photos and I almost want to upgrade her phone just so she has even better. Like, I mean, it, even it's better, even better. I mean, I, I am really impressed with the telephoto lens, the ultra wide and the wides just on these. I know it has three. It's a lot of, it's a lot of cameras, but man, I'll tell you, they make really pretty pictures. Like I was, <laughs> um, for our dog as an Instagram and, uh, one of, uh, one of my coworkers, she was telling me, she's like, well, I just like, she's like, I am blown away by your dog's Instagram feed. Like what DSLR are you using on, uh, to take those photos? And I was cause like, Oh, my wife takes all the photos. She's like, What DSLR is she using? I was like mm-hmm. an iPhone 11 pro. She's like, no way, no way. Right. It's like, <laughs> it's commercial. So, you know, when Apple puts up those big photos, like shot on an iPhone, you know, yeah. I didn't believe it 15 years ago, you know, I'm like, ah, whatever. Yeah. Right. That's but now you could take some really great photos. I mean, you have been for a while, but like these photos are real good ones. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I don't know if they were doing this in previous events, but now when they say shot on an iPhone and show the picture, they're actually showing the camera settings. I don't know if, did you catch that in the event? Yeah, I did. It's pretty cool because yeah, I would like to know exactly how they set up that camera because if you were talking SLR terms or DSLR terms, you would always say exactly what ISO you shot at, exactly mm-hmm. what zoom you shot at, just so that just so that other artists can understand too. And I was happy to see Apple doing that. In in general, I don't it takes gorgeous photos. Of course it takes gorgeous photos. I just did the cross-country trip through all these deserts and every photo was perfect one or two blurry ones because I think I was literally dropping the phone at the time I took them. (laughs) But aside from that, they've been great. I don't really care for the telephoto. That's fine. I'm not really spying on anyone, so I don't care. But I love that they are now supporting macro photography. Now, I don't take pictures of insects or flowers. Not interested. What I do take pictures of are of is small electronics, <laughs> tiny <laughs> little resistors on tiny little boards with tiny little text. And although we've had these wide angle uh, cameras, they've been rubbish when it comes to taking close up pictures. It's been frustrating because I've been trying to write like a circuit scanning app mm. for many years. And I've really just been waiting for the cameras to catch up with it because what would happen is the moment you got within a foot or so of the object, it would all go blurry. Not to say it wasn't still good because it's such a high megapixel camera, even though uh, the camera would be a foot away, it could still capture a lot of detail. But once you got closer than a foot, it all fell apart. So if you're not familiar, macro photography is the worst possible name to give to close-up photography. It's called yeah. close. It just means getting close to the subject matter. And what did they say? Like you can be within an inch or two, I guess, of the object and get a clearer photo of that. So I'm very excited for that from just a silly electronics <laughs> standpoint. Oh, I agree. I mean... That is one of the the big, big things that a lot of cameras have had for a while is the macro mode, you know, and I think that this is, again, the, the idea that your phone has replaced 
you know, it's replacing these DSLRs, it's doing all this stuff. And the soon thing now is that, you know, more than anything, you know, we see all, all these, you know, streamers and people creating videos. A lot of them are still using DSLRs and getting the background mm-hmm. blur and all that stuff. But like soon you just take an old iPhone, just put it right up there. You're good to go. And, and you're, you're, you're fine. Like that's, that's the, that's the dream really at some point is just doing that. And, um, that's definitely what's next in some ways is definitely just the, the your phone that you carry around. And like, and you know, Samsung, they're doing the same too. And Google, like they have these, these, these phones are, are, are really something. And, I'm blown away by some of the other, the cinematic modes and some of the other modes that they're putting into here. It's like really just impressive. The AI is doing the motion blur for you automatically and all this stuff behind the scenes. And they added filters, Frank, filters they are built in now. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> we are going back to 2010 filters. Mm-hmm. All right. Everything's going to be purple from now on. Yeah, so. Nah, it, it matters I, to, to for the people. It matters. It matters yeah. <laughs> for the people who don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but sure. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. Anything else, Frank? Anything else from this Apple event? It was definitely an Apple event. It was most certainly. Uh, this was definitely a talk in the TikTok. I don't know what I mean. It was everything was just improved. Um, I don't want to keep bringing up the plateau, but we've plateaued a little bit in technology and we're waiting for the next bump up, but it's good to see these iterative refinements. I'm happy to see all of these, nothing astonishing this year, nothing to get too crazy over, but iOS 15 is a really good release. Uh, it has gone uh, GM, so you can start releasing apps using Xcode 13. Gosh, I hope I'm getting these numbers correct. And we can start publishing our apps. So far, I've had pretty good luck. My apps have been running all right on iOS 15. But now that the Goldmaster is out, I'm definitely going to have to do a round of tests to make sure all my apps are in good shape. So as app developers, we have a tiny bit of work to do now, now that the beta summer is ending. But we all knew it was coming. So time to Time to get rid of the betas. I'm personally happy to get rid of the betas on my computers and put on release versions. I'm excited for that and then uh, do a whole bunch of testing. I'm ready to go. iOS 15 has been working buttery smooth. I already had those security patch updates and good to go. So we are good to go here. But yeah, let us know what you think of the Apple event. Write into us. Go to mergeconflict.fm. There's a contact button up there. We super love that. There's also a Patreon button, too, if you want to support the show. Come on Patreon. This week, we actually, day and date, so when this event happened, <laughs> we did a um, live reaction uh, yeah. to everything, which is cool. So It was fun. I've always wanted to do a react. <laughs> so now we've done a react, everyone. It, it wasn't on YouTube, but we're getting close. If you want to hear that, you can head over to MergeConflict.fm. There's a Patreon button. You can go sign up for that. It'd be awesome. All right, that's going to do it for this week's Emerge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.